<coughs> we have uh, another <coughs> week. This is the 18th, and then 24th, next Sunday, the last of the formal retreat. And of course, this week will be, you know, many monks will be coming. Here to Amarbhati, so this this sense of changing conditions, conditions arise, change. And the, we use the awareness to to uh, keep the focus on the present, to allow the conditions that arise to be the way they are, rather than getting into the controlling, divisive way of trying to make things the way you want them. So this awareness is a kind of allowed us to flow with the way things are, because there's a continuous stream, isn't it, of experience, and you observe just the, the movement and flow of consciousness. And when we allow ourselves to embrace that, then and we're not trying, always fighting, resisting, controlling. And so we're not creating the conditions for suffering. The, con the concept of dukkha, uh, recognize it. The English translation of suffering is, is one way, the unsatisfactoriness, that which can, you cannot bear. Uh, it all has this negative sense to it. So this this realm that we're in, the sense realm, is is uh, its nature is change, and so when we when we don't fully acknowledge that, then we suffer from it changing, because we we uh, we tend to want to control, want to make things, hold on to, keep what we like, and get rid of what we don't like. So when we talk about sankhara as dukkha in general, and it just means it's, it's in their very nature is change and unsatisfactory. You can't, you can't be satisfied. You'll never find satisfaction, a permanent satisfaction in the conditioned realm because its nature is unsatisfactory. And that's not something to hold to as a view, but something to reflect upon. Is anything that's just pointing at something rather than telling you how you should regard the conditioned realm. Yeah, that's 
Another way we can delude ourselves is just by projecting that the sense world, the conditioned realm, is dukkha, and as as a projection from the intellect, rather than investigating, feeling, noticing, experiencing the dukkha. We're allowing dukkha to be what it is. And our relationship, I mean, changes from not wanting it and wanting only happiness or to to uh, learning that this, this realm of dukkha allows us, it gives us this insight into the true Dhamma. So when we think about all conditioned phenomena, nature's dukkha, then, then when we say those who have seen this and recognize this are on the path, the Eightfold Path, then uh, it's seen through the, the dukkha that we create out of ignorance. You know, the sense, the, out of not understanding, then we create endless dukkha upon the existing dukkha, the power dukkha, the way things are. And so we don't open and allow things to be the way are, then we create suffering if it isn't what we like. And even if it's what we like, what we love, we tend to grasp it. So even life at its very best in the, on this sense realm, you know, that when everything is just perfect, the very grasping of that is a sense of dukkha. Not being able to kiss the joy as it flies, but trying to hold on to it means you you kill your kill joy. You kill the joy rather than let it go. So this uh, aim of the holy life then is this liberation. It's a sense of trust, freedom. This is also is getting on to the spring equinox. The, notice now the days and nights are about even, equal equinox. So here living in, in England, you can really contemplate this, this winter solstice when the the shortest day of the year and the longest night, and then the summer solstice, longest day of the year and the shortest night. And then the equinoxes, there were the days and nights are kind of equal in time. 
this relentless change. How many spring equinoxes have I seen in my life? It's this ongoing changingness, the pattern, the movement of nature. Just re reflecting on consciousness as this interesting. I'm very interested in consciousness. So, uh, like the, so much of my practice has been around seeing the Anicca Dukkanata of conditioned phenomena. So just exploring that till it, you know, you to keep going at it till it, till uh, uh, this is how it works for me. I just keep uh, have a kind of continuous investigation till suddenly it, it really the insight appears. So kind of crudely put, kind of gut knowledge, so that the the uh, kind of fascination for all the conditions is, you know, that kind of interest and fascination for them falls away. <laughs> Within consciousness, it was always a difficult one. When jnana, and the, as it's listed in the five khandhas and because vinyana is so you know is so present so here and now that uh, you can't it's hard you can't kind of get a perspective on it where Ved, uh, rupa vedana sanya sankara you can't you can, because it's so objective you know, any form. Vijnana doesn't have form particularly, you know, it seems infinite. Where, you know, definitely the body is a form, very solid, you know, obvious form. And Vedana, feeling of pleasure, pain, neutral, very obviously arising, ceasing, changing. And then Sanya Sankara. So just uh, the, my own practice, just putting this, this uh, you know, learning to stop the thinking process, because I can see, just, you know, just trying to figure it out, you get you get so far, and then you can't go further. You know, the intellect, the thinking process, you have to let go of it. 
because it, it just it takes you only to a certain level and then you, you know if you you can't get you have to get, let go of that as a means and this is where you trust you know because one's so bound into thinking into analyzing into conceptualizing That's where the sound of silence uh, useful is useful. The thing is a way of stopping, getting right to the edge, pure consciousness. Because in that, when you sustain awareness, attention on the nada, the sound of silence, and it's consciousness, no thought. then of course you want to think about sound of silence <laughs> want to define it or or analyze it into something or other but don't bother you know there's an act of trust more <clears throat> of willingness to 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 be that rather than to try to figure it out like trying to figure out who you are isn't it it's just it's learning to be the present, be the present, rather than trying to find out what am, what am, what is my real personality, what is my true nature, and as they try to figure it out with analysis, with concepts. Who am I? What is my true nature? And then, then we get, we get a kind of go to astrology or various uh, ways of, of figuring ourselves out. And, but then, at the end of the day, you know, the personality changes and conditions change and you're tired or you're energetic or you're happy or sad or whatever. And, and so the the only constant factor through all this change is uh, is this consciousness with awareness. If we learn to use awareness with consciousness with and panya and wisdom, then uh, then we've got perspective on the sankharas on the changing condition. Because that's a constant, you know, through the emotional changes, elation, depression, and so forth, and then uh, the constant factor is uh, that it all arises, changes in consciousness. So we, you know, in putting ourselves in the state of pure consciousness, being the consciousness aligned with sati-panya, sati-sampatanya. Then we, uh, then we have, you know, you can't find it, you have to be it. It's a, it's a 
surrender to the present, trusting in being the pure consciousness and the awareness and then then the uh, rupa vedana sanya sankara are have perspective one can see them and let them be what they are We no longer, you know, we want them to be anything, you know, and if we have those desires that we don't like the way they are in the present, we can accept that too, even our dislike or the way we tend to create, get compl- complicated by our habits to control, to annihilate. So this is why I keep saying everything belongs rather than and the attitude that if it's not very nice, it shouldn't be here. The ideal world is the world of a child, isn't it? And the child, when I was a little boy, isn't it? The world, if I was God, I wouldn't have made suffering. <laughs> I wouldn't have made physical pain. I wouldn't have created it. That the ideal world, childish world, uh, how things should be according to ideas at their very best, where everything's fair, everything's beautiful, everything's good, everything's perfect, everybody's happy. Uh, these are ideals. Now to, to really trust in being the pure consciousness with awareness is, is I think we all have moments, but it's you know, the more you investigate from that position, you know, really trust yourself in being this awareness. You know, so you can really, you know, get the get a sense for it. Is that I, all I can do right now is kind of describe it. That's uh, where this, uh, I've used this sound of silence as a, as a skillful means. Because there, as I sustain, I get uh, this, I can really put my mental, emotional world in perspective. I can accept it, embrace it. It's not, it's because it's, I'm not criticizing it or attaching to it.
that's right. Well, it's imminent act where where you you actually surrender, let go. You know, just be this. Enjoy your life here at Amravati. You know, conviviality. Just you know, don't make a problem about. It. Just enjoy the good things here. Don't make a. Don't get all wound up about the things you don't like about it. That it's good enough. So then you can then then you can really uh, you know find uh, you know trust in this awareness. You're not you're not always trying to to create a better place or blame everything because it's not you know it's not perfect. It's not you know you can always conceive this place and the people in it as being better than than we are or than it is. If we were all arahants, perfectly awakened beings, you know, the, the senior monks, senior nuns were really, you know, incredibly wise, compassionate arahants, perfect, and then we could really get our practice together. A kind of Then this sense of it's good enough, you know, it's, it, to me, that I'm not asking for the best, you know, but I appreciate that it is, it's good, you know, it's a very nice place and it has all the necessary supportive conditions for practice according to our traditions. I mean, it's in that way. It's good enough. We're not saying it's the best place in the world. Or that it's perfect. Not saying that. But this, to me, this gives me a sense of, of kind of accepting it the way it is. You know, it's not making, not endlessly kind of trying to rearrange it, make it something else. Which doesn't blind me to its defects, you know, quite willing to change and and make that things better if if that if that is uh, possible. You know, when when one suddenly realizes how to do things better and quite willing to do it. But I'm not requesting or demanding that perfection from the imperfect. So then this consciousness is, you know, functional. This realm that we're in is a conscious realm and forms when they're born then their consciousness depends on form for manifestation. So for things to manifest into consciousness there has to be form. That's why we're born in in these human forms. 
that it's just the way it is. So in in then we as we're born, then we of course we're conditioned to cultural social conditioning to identify with the body and the Vedana Sanya Sankara. So how we hold those those conditions and you know how we see it is very depends, you know, very much on a cultural attitude of what we our experience, our karma. Uh, and that those can be variable because I hear very international, so we have to have different ways of looking at the same thing, which is conditioned. You know, not born English or Thai. You're not born with that as a perception in your mind. You're told that once you're born. That identity arises later. So then in the sound of silence, this is the, this is for me the consciousness with awareness, the real attention, attentiveness, awakeness, to sustain, fully sustain and rest in this sound of silence. You have to be really attentive, you know, really here, present. And then it's, when I think in this state, then it's like like this is I just affirm this. I know this is consciousness is like this, pure consciousness. It's like like I'm just noticing it. Because awareness itself, a consciousness it's still dependent, but the awareness is the door to the gate to the deathless, is the point of intersection between timeless and time.
than I notice in in living, you know, my life here at Amarbati with all of you. Then certain, let's say, when your karma ripens, then this happens. So there's this this sense of receptivity to the vipaka karma. See if I'm if the difference between say being the abbot of Amravati as a grasping position. Say when I if I am not aware, I'm not developing wisdom with this, then then I adopt the role. I become the abbot uh and all the conditions that that triggers off, you know, for me personally. The sense of responsibility of of being burdened, of having, you know, having having to all the same kind of things you ha- you should do and shouldn't do, and being an impeccable example of of the holy life, you know, for you all to emulate, and being the role model for the bhikkhus, and on and on the kind of hideous, burdensome clutter that go around holding to that view of I'm you know the ideal abbot should be <clears throat> so then operating from the ideal place is is uh, you know is very distressing all the time and it? it's very miserable to always have to feel obliged to be something for somebody else you know, you start feeling resentful, incredibly angry and resentful about this if you if you can't see through what you're really doing. So then it, you know, if you can't get behind it, then you you have to get out of it and disrobe or do something else, run away, <laughs> because it's it's not a sustainable. Is it? It's a, you can't. You can pretend. You can act. You can even enjoy it, playing the role for a while. But after a while, but then for, after a while, it becomes. You feel burdened, weighed down, angry about it. So this this awakening. So that the these perceptions are put in a context. Where then the one can see, you know, I can see how I hold that perception. The way my personality or character tends to, to hold that perception of Abid. From this position of awareness, the still point, then I have a perspective on, on how I hold, you know, the way, the, the tendency to identify and assume. When I see it, I can let it be that way. And that letting be is really letting go. I'm not trying to get the perfect perception for being the abbot, you know, and all that, and and straighten all that stuff out, you know, trying to get everything right on the condition plane. It doesn't matter. It's, It's learning to trust in the awareness that you can let go, allow even your delusions to be what they are. 
You don't have to make every delusion into some kind of, into some uh, something that's not. You know, it's a, you've got to make every delusion into a truth, uh, some ideal plan for yourself. But even uh, your even your maniacal delusions belong. If that's what arises in the present, then they, they belong also. The worm and the apple, snake and the garden. Because your, your real, the reality is this awareness. This is the reality. This is not conditioned, not created out of ignorance, out of delusion. So then, the, the perception of habit, why make a problem about it? You know, it's a relative to time and place, and you're beginning to see it, that the roles we play, you know, they're not, they're all right, you know, nothing wrong with it, with it. Or, that I have to get rid of it or change. It's just putting it in the in a proper context. So I'm not grasping it out of ignorance. Because that's the suffering. The conditions are what they are. The grasping out of ignorance is the is what we mean by dukkha. That's why, in, in, you know, just, just encourage you to trust this, you know, explore it, investigate, you know, this is, you know, test it out, this being, this awareness. How do you do that? One thing, when I, I stop thinking about it. I just, there's a kind of, in the silence, then the thinking process stops. And I'm, but I'm still completely conscious and aware, you know. So then, and just note that, it's like this. The way it is, and, and and then then I kind of keep reminding myself: trust this, trust in this, and then the habit, the doubts will arise. Well, what if this is? What if this is, And then there probably could be, and maybe I'm deluded. The trust in this. <laughs> so this stillness is trust me. And then the, then the 
to made or be kusai. Well, I don't know. Well, there's quite a bit of it. Some people say you have to do this, and other people say you have to do that. Well, just <laughs> then uh, you know it's in when when I get intimidated personally I mean, I really use that where people come across at me with very strong views you know kind of very confident in the scriptures it says this and all that. <laughs> And it's a gradual path, and well, and they come, you know, this very peremptory, confident style that some monks have. And I can see little tomato suddenly contracting. <laughs> and then the then the silence says, "Trust me," and then I relax. <laughs> This sense of trust and encouraging, I can encourage you. Uh, I feel this is, this is all I really want to do. Uh, uh, right now I see that's the way I can, I can uh, help you or serve you in a good way, is encourage you. Uh, so that's, that's what we need because we do tell, you know, we're so cerebral, so many of us, so, so many ideas that we, we get, we, we never trust, we don't have anything to trust in. Because ideas you can't trust. You know, and people full of information, ideas, and good ideas, and bad ideas, and all kinds of things. I mean, the, this, uh, this is the information age. <laughs> We're bombarded with facts, figures, statistics, and everything else. Now, every shibboleth has been shattered by now. You know, the faith we used to have in democracy, just that word democracy, being American, you know, Democratic. That's a really good democracy. Socialism. <laughs> All that kind of communism in the, the previous century wasn't that was the that was the going to save everything. Just change everything. You know, we could get this perfect society formed according to this communist ideal. That would. That shattered. America, the United States stands for the ultimate in, you know, the, the ultimate democratic society. And it's, it's all over the place. It doesn't know where, where it's going or what it should be doing. <laughs> I only, And then the, the moralists come in now, the kind of fundamentalists, people that are, you know, we've got to get back to morality. 
Our problems now are all due to immorality. All these, 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 these uh, you know, freestyle, hedonistic, materialistic things, and they get on a high horse, the moral majority, the, the, the righteous rights. And you can get on really a moral high horse, can't you? You know, you know condemning the, the degenerates, <laughs> the liberals, and the communists, and the <clears throat> materialists, and the hedonists. No, I mean then the, that that idea of uh, we just were all moral and everything would be all right. You got to force morality on people, you know. So the interesting case in Nigeria now. This woman is uh, in the Muslim or northern Nigeria is Muslim, southern part is Christian. Well, they two years ago the the northern Nigerians decided they'd bring back the Sharia, the Muslim laws and everything. So this woman has been uh, accused of adultery, so they're going to stone her, believe it or not. <laughs> so this woman, a uh, kind of village woman, uh, was uh, had a baby. She, she divorced her husband seven years ago and then she, according to their view, committed adultery, and then the Sharia says an adulterer, adulterer should be stoned to death. Of course, that doesn't mean the man. <laughs> so actually, you know, this is a big issue. The human rights organizations have taken this to heart. It's, it's news, big news. You know, what's going to happen? Because, you know, the world... And this is coming from a very righteous place. You know, the Quran or the Shari, whatever that is in the Muslim religion, it's God's will. You know, this is the will of God. And we've got to follow the will of God. So this whole sense of moral righteousness takes place. And then we can do something horrible to somebody else and... In the, by being morally proper, morally right, according to some moral plan that we are attached to. But then the other doesn't work either. Just let's be free. No, let make love, not war, and just love is all. It just. Love, love, love. <laughs> and at least that's a little happier than the other, you know. I, I like that better than the other one. <laughs> Nothing more kind of nasty to me than the, the morally righteous, you know. <laughs> but the, uh, the hippie, the flower children, were I really liked, you know, kind of all his love and sing songs, dance, and have a good time. But that 
that well that leads to you know that uh, that also very deluding state and yet both are right in a way you know they're right but not true true but not right situations <clears throat> Morality, right morality, and that, and love, you know. You have to choose, or what, you know, this is where this trusting in this stillness, you're getting outside that dilemma, isn't it? You're not rejecting it, you're embracing it, you know, morality, love, and uh, justice and mercy and all that and then held you know as a whole and, and complementary rather than this very frightening divisive style of one condemning the other So this is where the, you know, if, if, if you know, tr- the sense of telling you what's right and wrong, I don't think that I would be helping you if I was coming from this telling you what you should do, what's right and what's wrong and so forth. <clears throat> so then encourage you to awaken to this awareness then then that I feel is something that that needs to be you know they can you know we need we need encouragement because we tend to to get caught in so many doubts. you think about it too much and talk to others and they'll, they'll come up with either you know plans of you've got to do this before you do that and uh, you can easily get intimidated by what experts authorities say so this, during this retreat the whole winter retreat I've been really quite you know my aim is to is to give this encouragement because if you don't you know you, you, you've got it's something from within you, you your center is here and now it's not, not in some idea that I that I have or or even an idea that you have. It's before any ideas arise that you find your refuge.
again reflecting on this consciousness you know it, it embraces everything you know consciousness allows it's not selective like the mirror whatever passes in front of the mirror it reflects so in this way we can see this sense of consciousness and love this unconditioned love and allows everything to be what it is It's not asking things to be otherwise or judging or comparing. <clears throat> so in, in terms of metta pavana, metta practice, isn't it? This, this uh, metta, we allow everything to be what it is. You know, the metta, goodwill towards all, towards everything. Well, apply that inwardly, you know, to, to your own mental state, the metta, for every, every movement, every good, bad, indifferent fluctuation of your jitta. <laughs> sense of of goodwill welcoming embracing so that allowing things to be what they are rather than you trying to straighten out the mess and and, uh, make everything what it should be according to an ideal So then the difference between the the hippie and the moral righteous person the moral righteous person is trying to control and just make everything you know right and proper clean and ordered you know that according to an idea how things should be what God wants God wants us to Stone this woman. And so we've got to do that. That's right. And then the, the free spirit hippie would say, it doesn't matter, all is love. Love is good. <laughs> she has this child, love child. And just celebrate with her, you know, celebrate her life. <laughs> and uh, that would be, you know, this good feeling of celebration, celebration of love rather than some kind of moral uh, condemnation. So the that love doesn't have a boundary, does it? Where moral righteousness has very clear boundaries. This is right. That's wrong. (laughs) 
<laughs> you chop everything up. This is right, wrong, very clear. No. When you get into love, everything's become fuzzy. <laughs> Where are the boundaries? <laughs> so, but in this awareness, isn't it? This this present moment. And then the 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 ability to allow. The, both to coexist, you know, not we're not trying to wipe out kind of righteous, uh, moral righteous the tyrants, you know, by adopting some kind of idea of freedom. But it's it's allowing in the, the letting things be what they are that we find our liberation. It's liberating. That's liberation itself. So there's a balance between boundary and and but the boundless, the limited and the unlimited. It's not that one is better than the other or somehow superior but our relationship to it is is through understanding rather than through taking sides. So anyway, to you know, I think if we want to dedicate the puja this evening to this woman in Nigeria, <laughs> I think good idea. Because, uh, it's a really, it seems so, seems so utterly barbaric. They <laughs> were, you know, and Islam has such a, Horrible name in the West now, anyway. This, put this on top of it. This hideous, righteous act of stoning. You know, I don't think that's like really medieval kind of behavior. <laughs> But this is how silly we can be, isn't it? And we we bind ourselves to the the Holy Scripture says, God says. Now this is where you've got to trust yourself, you know. And, you know, it's coming from here rather than what some authority tells you about what God wants you to do. You can't trust that. You might do. You might join in casting one of the stones of this, because God said you should do that. That's right. Well, you you learn to to uh, this is a kind of empowerment. This this sense of really getting to the present, being present, really 
investigating it, you know, relishing it, this sense of pure presence. This is it, you know, this I can trust, this I know. Where all the all the things in the on the conventional level are relative, you know. True but not right, right but not true situation. So when we come from this, then we can, then we can, uh, you know, in our lives, you know, it has a, we're coming from a universal rather than from personal axes to grind and prejudices, cultural biases and so forth. 